It is uh, great to have you here this morning. And uh, we have with us today, we got a, a special guest. In fact, he's going to be with us over about the next month. Uh, Mart, Dr. Martin Sanders, if you don't know him, uh, he is a, a professor doctoral program where I was just studying, if you're familiar here, up in uh, Nyack, New York. And, uh, and one of the, the cool things about him, I mean, he's one of my closest friends and a longtime mentor friend. And one of the cool things is partnership with his church dates back, you know, kind of 10 or more years now, and he's almost like one of our other pastors on our team, and we're excited just to have him with us over the months of uh, February and into March. He's going to be kicking off a series in just a couple weeks at our PM service, 5 p.m. service, uh, called What Works When Life Doesn't. going to be a phenomenal series, kicking off on the 11th of Feb. Early March, we're going to be actually doing a, a conference for our church uh, that Martin's going to be a big part of that. He'll tell you a little bit more about it even as he talks, but it's going to be a, a renewal conference, part of kind of our, our vision here and all about uh, fresh encounters with the Holy Spirit. It's going to be a phenomenal weekend. You'll be hearing more about that. But we're excited for, to have him back with us and for the ministry. If you're brand new here, I guarantee you're going you're gonna to enjoy and receive something uh, if you lean into this day. Can we give a big welcome to Martin as he comes over? This one mine? I learned something new this morning. Dean thinks we're friends. Good, good, good to know. I'm glad I came. This morning I want to talk to you about what it's like to be in him. Because sometimes we talk about us a lot um, and our belief, our faith, our life. This morning I want to talk more about what it's like to be in him because that's where it brings out the best in you. One of the great things about being here over time is to get to see how much some of you have developed. I remember when the story wasn't nearly this good. And now when I see you, it's a good story. So let's move into, very often when we start with a passage out of the Bible, we jump ahead and move past the greeting. The greeting is actually quite crucial lots of times, but we don't spend much time on it. This one, the writer identifies himself as Paul along with Timothy. And he says to them, grace and peace be unto you, both from God, who is your Father, and in the Lord Jesus. I love greetings. I, uh, I, I like when I go to different countries, how people greet people, each other differently. One of the things you have to do as an outsider, I've been to some 70 countries or so, is recognize how you do this, both with the same gender and the opposite. And you have to see how this works. One time I was in Russia and they warned me that with the crowd I was in, if the men liked me, they would kiss me on the mouth. <laughs> I'm a big guy, I can handle it. <laughs> I wasn't looking forward to it, but I can handle it. And I did a terrible, terrible thing. I mentioned at the end that I had been told this would happen and it hadn't yet. 
So they elected, of course his name's Sergey. <laughs> and they elected Big Sergey, 6'10", four and a quarter. Anytime a bloke weighs 200 kilos, he's a big man. So they elected him and he did not disappoint them. <laughs> other countries, other greetings. Whenever I go to speak in a church someplace, I always like to get there early and see how people greet each other. It's fascinating because sometimes we're very well intentioned, but we don't know quite how to do it. So my favorite one in churches, much like yours, is people always ask some version of how are you? And of course, the most common response is good or fine. And I notice so many good and fine people go to church. <laughs> if you wonder, just ask them. They will tell you how good, fine they are. After all that I've been through over the last number of years, I thought, probably need to write a blog or a book or something on how to move beyond how you're going or beyond how are you. Because there's such better questions than that one. When Diana was at her worst health-wise and I wasn't sleeping at night, so I had to sleep in a chair sitting up beside her bed, because of what she was diagnosed with, she either... Um, I had to listen for noises she would make or if she didn't make any noises. And so I, I just would sometimes just not sleep for an evening and then I had to go into work for a bit while somebody came to sit with her. I remember walking into the building at the uni, at the grad school where I serve and someone wanted to be really helpful. And they said, how are you this morning, Martin? Big smile. I hadn't slept for a few nights. It wasn't my best morning. And I thought, I could lie and go, oh, good. And I said, she woke up. It's a good morning. And I said, as you greet people, because you're the first one they see coming in, enter their world. Figure out what's a good thing to say to them. So let's, uh, let's model this for the whole community. I wanted to take pressure off her and not feel bad. Let's model this for the whole community. And so greetings really do matter. It's, it's uh, intriguing to me when you meet somebody who you've known and they've changed. They don't look quite as good as they used to, or it's a wildly different haircut or color. Men don't ever mention that. <laughs> Yeah. I have a friend who needed to lose a lot of weight, and he, uh, he opted for a surgery, and he's recently lost quite a bit of weight. But he was intensely large. I'm a large person myself, so when I say he's intensely large, the dude was giant, okay? <laughs> and so I saw him, and I said, mate, you're looking really good, but you, you must be down to like 200 kilos. And he goes, only, sure, I'll go with that. It's better than 400 pounds. <laughs> so you're always, always trying to figure out how to help people feel just a little better. So another friend and I said, uh, 
he was in England and he weighed quite a number of stones. And I said to him, dude, you're, you're looking fine. What are you, like at three boulders? <laughs> That's how he references his weight now, so no one knows what it is. <laughs> this one is grace and peace. This has been a unique greeting because most of the time in the culture, it would have been just greeting and peace, sort of a welcome and peace. It was unique that they offered grace. Grace is one of those great concepts of faith. And so much of my work with executives on Wall Street, it's probably one of the hardest things to sell them on about God and faith, that they can't earn anything. They can't be better enough to get this. It's just simply because of his amazing grace. And they push back all the time and go, nothing in life is free. There's one thing that you've never gotten, and it's free. Every fall since the late 90s, Diane and I used to sponsor these. Now I just did another one. We do executive couples coaching conferences. We always hold them at Ritz-Carlton at some place nice in the beach in Florida every late fall. And we bring in executive couples four days to rework them. We tell them we're going to slice and dice them. And we do, and they like it. But we don't charge them anything for the conference. And the men hate that. They go, what do you mean there's no charge? I want to take money off the table so you had nothing to complain about. You're just here for you and her. And sometimes they really push back and I said, look, I want nothing from you, here's all I want. And I'm usually fairly direct, so I take two fingers and jab him into his chest and go, I want you to be a better man. I want you to be a better husband. I want you to be a better dad. I want you to be a better person in the community. The people who love you most just want you to be a better man. You're welcome. Shut up and learn something. <laughs> it works. It's New York. You get to say that. I will be much kinder to you, <laughs> I hope. So grace and peace. As this passage starts out, beginning in the first paragraph of chapter, or verse three of chapter one in Philippians one, he literally says, I thank God for you. Now, this is gonna be mildly autobiographical for me while I'm here with you the first Sunday, because I feel the same way. I thank God for you. One of the things I want to say right up front is that part of this passage will seem somewhat autobiographical because he makes it that way. He makes a lot of I statements. And this first one is, I thank God for you. Let's read this first part of the passage. He said, I thank my God Every time I remember you and all my prayers for y'all, they were in Southern Philippi apparently. <laughs> he goes, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. 
He literally says to them, I think about you. I remember you. And when I do, I pray for you. A while back, I had a younger missionary couple in my office. They were back from a, a tough place in the heart of Africa. And they had their, some of their children had some health issues and they needed to be back for a while. They didn't know quite how long. And so she popped by my office and she goes, Martin, how do you do it? And I said, I have no idea. What are you asking? I always love those kind of questions. How do you do it? Mm, I try not to be amazing. How, how about you? Hey. And she goes, look, I, I, was, I just was interacting with about six of my friends around the world. And they happened to say, hey, say hi to Martin. He just emailed me. She goes, Martin, they're my friends. I, I could probably only keep up with 15 people, but everybody that I am in touch with, you've already been in touch with. How many do you do this with? And I said, nah, 1,500 a month. She goes, how do you do that? So instead of explaining, I just pulled up what I knew was one of her friends and showed her an email. And here was the, the subject line. Are you okay? Five digits. That's all I sent. Five digits. And then I showed her 13 paragraphs of response. <laughs> and she goes, how are you going to respond to this? And I said, I'm not. They just needed to know someone cared. Someone remembered them. Somebody that they regarded had them in their heart. It's a simple text, a simple email. And I said, I read through them quickly just to make sure nobody died, nobody's homicidal, nobody's suicidal. Do a quick look. But mostly, it's you remember them because you have them both in your mind and in your heart. That's what Paul's talking about here. He said, when I think of you, I pray for you. It's kind of that simple. Now, for some of us, it's probably time to up our game a bit in the people stuff. It doesn't take much. You don't even have to care that much, which is going to take some of you off the hook. You don't have to be amazing. It's just one to not be quite as self-centered as you currently happen to be. It's a partnership. It's a very simple partnership. I'm actually going to read you something that came in yesterday. I've had a partnership with a, an interesting woman, young woman. She's been a part of a team. She's part of the development when, uh, when we had to move. She actually stepped in and said, um, Martin, I'm good with details. I'll take care of your whole move. And she coordinated the whole thing. She was in her 20s. Part of her development, we've developed her well. Uh, within the last year, she has gotten hired as a 29-year-old, and she's number two of an organization that does next-generation missionaries in 40 countries. She runs the place. A partnership with her in these kinds of things. And here's what she wrote to me about being here. She said, it's awesome that you're there. I will pray. Australia has been one of those milestone places for you these last few years. I know that. I pray for sweet reminders of past Australia trips, but also that this one would bring clarity to your life and your purpose in the best ways. 
Well, that's a good one. She's less than half my age. We have a partnership. I've walked her through all sorts of things. She's one that when I need specific things, I text, I call. It's one of a team. This is what it's like when you're in him. These partnerships, you can document them, how good some of them are. As this text would say, in all of your development, recognize what it's like to be in Christ. One of the things I'll look forward to while I'm here is checking up on some of these developmental things. I'll ask you some specific questions. It's one of my strengths. By the way, don't ever come up to me and say, I don't know if you remember me. Because if you do, I'll go, I have no idea. Uh, were you hitchhiking once? No, you, you can skip that one. I have one strength. I remember people. It's my one strength. So give me a little credit, or grace if you prefer. But there will be conversations, because already with more than a half a dozen of you, more than a dozen since I've been in the last few days, I've asked questions about very specific things. They go, How do you remember that? It's my one strength. No, it's the partnership. It's the partnership. God's up to things in your life. If I can be a part of strengthening that, I will do it at any cost. It's what these partnerships are about. It's how they work. And so we'll ask each other unique questions. The next part of the passage says, I have you in my heart. Now recognize this is the same author, Paul, who sounded like a detailed, talented lawyer when he wrote the book of Romans. He was giving arguments in clear ways that would appeal like in a court of law to convince people of things. Listen to how he sounds here. In these next few verses, as they unfold, it goes like this. He says, it's right for me to feel this way about you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify, notice the phrase, how I long for you with all the affection of Christ. You go, wait a minute, Paul. Just a little earlier, in both Romans and Galatians, you sounded a lot like a lawyer who was trying to win a case. Here you sound like a grandfather. I just love you. I sense a group hug coming. I just, I just love you all. No, no. He goes, this is based on your connection and mine in Christ. We've got this thing together. It's a bonding that's significant and crucial. He's not just saying, I love you people. He knows what it's based on. And he literally says, I have you in my heart. I love that phrase. And so one of the questions reflectively we've got to ask ourselves is, what, what are you feeling? Now, I'm aware that's not the great strength of people in WA. Come on, work with me here. <laughs> I remember early years, I was doing a men's seminar here. And I talked about the challenges, what it was like working with uh, men, particularly in Western Canada. And I said, the challenge of working with men in Western Canada is they only have two feelings, good and bad. 
And so I would say to some bloke in, in Western Canada, I'd go, mate, how, but, like, what's going on right now? What, what are you feeling? He'd go, mm, bad. <laughs> okay, can you be more specific? And he was really into it. His eyes would go up and over. And again, depending on how your brain works, which side your eyes go to. And then most often his response would be, uh, I feel real bad. That's all he had. <laughs> so I gave that at the seminar to men here in Perth, and no one laughed. Okay. And it's a seminar, and some kind of act raises his hand. There's not a Q&A at this point. He raises his hand, he goes, men in Western Australia have two feelings too. Bad and not bad. Uh, it's not funny. And this happened to me early morning, IGA Australia Day. Guy in front of me was going through. He was clearly had supplies to go out on a small boat. And the clerk who was checking him out said, how are you going? And had a lift in his voice. You could tell he was off to have fun, and he goes, not bad. <laughs> oh, that's a fun family. <laughs> it's a great day. It's not bad. So work with me a little. Let's move just past that. What in the world are you feeling? Because Paul is saying, come on. I'm loving you with all the affection of Christ. What do you got? What do you have? And what will you offer? In this partnership, what are you actually going to offer to the people you love the most? So not just what are you feeling, what's in your heart? Notice the phrase here that he says, no matter what situation I'm in, whether I'm in chains, Defending, confirming the gospel. See, so, for so many of us in these situations, it depends on what we actually do feel, what we are going through. And what Paul reminds us of in this letter is probably for some of us, it's probably just time to get over something and then move ahead. He says, I long for you with all the affection of Christ. That's a great phrase. I figured out something about myself in classic Jungian, theater, Jungian psychology. The, the four classic male archetypes, for, forgive me, once in a while I kick over to the old professor thing. A warrior, king, magician, lover. And I've been asked forever by younger blokes who read this and study this, they go, what? Martin, what are you? You sort of fit in all of them. I said, I function in all of them. But come on, I'm a lover. <laughs> and what I've discovered as a widower, far too young, is that I'm a lover-giver, which is great, unless there's no one to give to. And it's just awkward. And so part of why I come here, part of why I connect with people deeply in various places, is this very reason. I have both capacity and longing to represent Christ and love. There's not one way to do this, by the way. There's multiple ways. But 
Paul's phrase is great. I love you with all the affection of Christ. And he said, now I'm going to pray for you. Now I'm going to pray for you. The follow, the last part of this, oh, last part of this passage goes like this. He said, and this is my prayer. Now stop. If you read Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, the first chapter of all of them starts with a prayer. He doesn't teach them how to pray. He says, this is what I'm going to pray over you. It's a great model. You don't have to be a scholar to find these. Notice how this part of the passage starts. And this is my prayer. You don't have to be terribly insightful. You don't have to know Greek to find this one. If you can read, it pops up. This is my prayer for you all. That your love will abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So that you may be able to discern what's best, that you may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus, to the glory and the praise of God. And this is my prayer for you. I want to quote my favorite theologian, John Lennon. <laughs> you remember the John Lennon theology? Imagine. Just imagine. Imagine with me for a minute. Imagine True North Church. Imagine True North Church. If we just had a directory and everybody took the page of their name and we made sure every girl and boy, every teen, and every adult had this stuff prayed into them on a regular basis, imagine what we would become. It's not that hard, folks. I've set it up in endless churches. The level of the effectiveness of the church in the people's lives goes up all the way from significantly to dramatically. It takes so little to incorporate this. So as long as we're going to pray, what are we going to pray for? Not nice stuff. Whenever I work with a young leader, I say to them, how many people do you have who pray these passages into you every day? None. It's okay. First thing you have to do, recruit five people. Parents don't count. What do you mean parents don't count? Parents count in other ways, but they don't count for prayers. Here's why. Hard for parents to be objective. They either like you or they don't. <laughs> and so the, no, I'm very serious. Some of you go, seriously, that, you just described my family? Or I'm fortunate I have one of each. They either pray too nice of things, Lord, protect them, be kind to them, be gracious, or Dean's family. Please let them see their way and come back to terrible northern part of the United States where no one there likes living here, but we're here anyway. So have them come back. Seriously, they say it to me every time I see them. I just go like this and turn away. Parents don't count because they either pray too nice, they won't pray the hard stuff, or they pray that you get fixed. And those don't help either. So we, recruit, we tell young leaders, recruit five people to pray this kind of stuff into you. It'll make you a very different person. He says, I want your love to abound more and more. Now, forgive me, but what he's really saying is, I want your love to get fatter. You know this, but Australia exports some, some pretty good people. Uh, not so much gridiron players, once in a while a basketball player. You seem to be better with actors and actresses. Your newest one who's getting attention, of course, is Rebel Wilson. 
Fat Amy from the Pitch Perfect movies. I can see you all have seen them. <laughs> but she's got this one great line in Pitch Perfect too. She is a significantly larger person than all the other girls in the a cappella group. And she says to them, here's her pep talk. She's so Australian. She goes, let's get out there and do this. Because for skinny girls, I think you still have fat hearts. <laughs> so this is my prayer for you. Fat hearts, Lord. Fat hearts here. Not fat heads. Fat hearts. That your love will abound more and more. But not just on a feeling level. That you'll develop authentic depth, insight, wisdom. That you'll have greater discernment. That you'll be able to see the things that only God in his spirit see. That you'll see it. Dean mentioned that we're going to do a weekend of fresh encounter. And part of this is to just ask the Spirit of God to give you eyes to see things you've not been able to see. Hear things you've not been able to hear. Experience things you've not been able to experience at the level he would like you to. You've not gotten there yet, but he wants to take you there. And that you will be, I love the phrase, you'll be pure and blameless. Now, if you want to greet each other, here's a great way to do it. Hey, tell me a couple ways you've represented God well this week. Because I prayed for you that you could become that. Talk to me about the holiness factor of your life. Because you're looking really holy today. <laughs> it's hard to do that for yourself. It's hard to look in the mirror and go, wow, I am holy today. <laughs> it just doesn't work. Then you've got to work on the old humility thing. I've got a whole series. I, I've only gotten the first one out there, but I'm working on a whole series called It's Time to Make Holiness Sexy Again. Because it really is this awakening of how cool it is to be absolutely free of shame and guilt and live free. There's got to be a whole series of these and filled with the fruits of righteousness. Let's take a couple things away, shall we? Let's talk about this. What aspect of your connection with God does he enjoy most with you? See, we always do it the other way around. What part of your relationship or connection with God do you like? God's going, fine. You make everything about you. How about if we do it the other way around for a moment? What part of his connection with you does he enjoy most? Give it some thought. Come on, you know in all human relationships, there's one part of a relationship with somebody you go, that's the best part of my connection with them. Might as well do that with God. What part of his connection with you does he like most? And how are you going to pass it on? See, so much of this passage is not about just you, but it's about how you pass it on. While I'm here, I want to talk about that. By the way, as a church, well done. Since I've been coming here, it's just easy to see how far you've come, things that have gotten strengthened. I see so many things that are emerging of the reality of God in your lives and in your presence. Well done. Now, pass it on. Here's what I love about this. It doesn't matter your age, nor gender, 
They don't matter. Size, age, gender, any of the things that normally we equate as being something good that in human form that God will use. No. When you carry his presence, here's what that means. He's done something in you that's so significant that you just naturally pass it on. You carry his presence. You can find it in people. You go, there's something about them I can't quite put my finger on. It's pretty simple. You carry his presence. I'll give you my best example of this. I was doing a series, um, a whole weekend of seminars in a larger church in the northeastern part of the U.S. And we had to go through some pretty tough things. We talked about orphan spirit, what it's like when there's something so missing in your soul you can't even seem to connect with God. Hit a lot of people, but there was one talented young woman who had, as her story unfolded, she had had to experience uh, unspeakable things when she was in primary school at the hands of another girl. And it just kind of wrecked her image, didn't matter how talented or smart or good looking she was. When I gave a talk on the orphan spirit, it, it just rocked her terribly. Well, ideally, somebody my age, my presence, my ability, it might have been good for me to get to her, but I couldn't, wasn't directed in that way. And so there was another young woman, late 20s, very thin. When you would look at her, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't describe her as sort of intriguing in much of any way. But she walked over her, and they sat down together. She put her arm around her and pulled her in. And this, this young woman who was very, very thin and slight pulled the other woman's head over to her chest and just held her and stroked her hair. And the young woman who'd gone through the abuse said, with every heartbeat, it felt like God was healing me a little more, a little more, a little more. There was nothing impressive about this young woman except for one thing. She carried his presence. That's all it took. And you can do that. So let's tie it up. For some of you, you've got to move past yourself. For some of you, it's just the willingness to do this. There's a, there's a third category. And that is that you'll step into this with his strength, his presence, his righteousness, not yours, his, and you'll pass it on. Pray with me for just a moment, please. God, it's just a rarity that mere mortals like us get to carry the presence of the Almighty. And some of us already do it terribly well, and some not so much yet. So as we begin a series here of how to be deeply connected with you, 
Make it so clear we can't miss it. Here's something that we have to get over ourselves. Here's something to embrace. And here's one way, just one way, we're going to carry your presence to those who don't know and to those closest to us. You're going to do it in us, with us, for us, but we have to have a willing spirit. Yeah. Let's do this together. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Would you stand with us, please?